0: The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor, and you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast, however you are listening and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program at you can always follow the show. On Twitter, it is at all Andy Alford. It is at All Andy Alfred. The Jackets get a huge win tonight. That's why we're doing this show post-game edition. Jackets, huge win over the New Jersey Devils tonight after the loss on Sunday. But I'll take the series that we had. We'll recap it here. The walleye fall to Redding, and it was officiating... That cost them the game on Sunday, and it cost them the game on Saturday as well. We'll dive into that. College basketball is in full swing. We are getting closer. It's the first day of March, which means March Madness is around the corner, and Madness Galore took place on Saturday. We'll dive into that and take a look at Mid-America Conference action as Bowling Green played Ohio tonight at the Stroh. And Toledo traveled over to my beautiful favorite city, Buffalo, New York. But the news today is a sad one. As we find out that the players and the, the, with the union and the owners cannot come to the agreement. And we're losing baseball games. We stand with Ukraine here. On all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. Guess and a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span i really gonna get shut out. Awesome. Dumbino! beer. Oh. Hit to a home run. Go, way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for All Andy Alfred. And with that, I say ah, I love you guys and welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me and that is with the Anchor Network and you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening wherever However and wherever and whenever you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show to give me your time and effort to listen to what's happening in my life as well as what is happening in the sports world. You can always be a fo- follow the show on Twitter and you can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all andy alford it is at all andy alford as well as facebook.com slash all andy alford so welcoming you into the show on this the first day of march 2022 16 days away from saint patrick's day itself i cannot wait for the green beer the jigs dinners and all of the comeuppance, but today of course is Fat Tuesday, so happy Mardi Gras to all y'all out there, as well as hopefully you're ready for the 40 days and 40 nights of the Lenten season. A lot to get into tonight on this edition, post-game edition of All Andy Alford, as we will break down college basketball, as Bowling Green took took on Ohio tonight. We'll dive into that game, as well as the University of Toledo taking on Buffalo, We'll dive into the Mid-American Conference as we'll see the final matchup between Bowling Green and Toledo this upcoming Friday at Savage Arena as the final matchup of the Battle of I-75 takes place for the winter sports season. Also, we'll take a look at the top 25 around college basketball as we have hit March 1st, so that means tournament time is around the corner. Big upsets that took place this past Saturday, we'll dive into all that, as well as... We'll dive into the walleye and the walleye roundup as well as the ECHL Roundup as the Fish were home this weekend. They took on Wichita and Reading. And if poor officiating hindered the Walleye from winning, and we'll get into that as well. As well as getting into tonight why we're doing this show post-game as the Jackets. Get a huge win over the New Jersey Devils by a score of 4-3. to We'll break down the game and we'll give you the latest Jackets report as well. Like I said, you can be a follower of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred, at Elford as well as Facebook.com slash But we're going to begin tonight with the sadness that is happening, not only, you know, worldwide, but as now what is happening here in the States. Before we get into all the baseball stuff we want to stand we want to send our thoughts, our deepest prayers to those that are been, that are affected and will be affected of what is happening in the country of Ukraine. here at all Andy offer we stand with the people of Ukraine and we denounce all of the Russian interference and everything like that. we, f- we f- stand with the people of Ukraine. we are with you. for a free and sovereign Ukraine. So our thoughts, our prayers are with the Ukrainian people as well as all the Ukrainian athletes that just came back from the Winter Olympics as well as those that are competing now in the Paralympic Games as well as all the sports around the world. We look to you, we will support you and we think of you and your families In this dire need of time. So uh, we now will take a moment of silence to honor those that have already fallen and to pray in silence for the country of Ukraine. Thank you. As you're listening to all ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. Gotta hit that right off the chest. You know, seeing all the news reports, seeing all the sadness, you know, it just, uh, you know, it just hits home. It hits home a little bit. Uh, you know, I want to give you the best show that I can, especially what's happening in this world that we live in today. Uh, sadness in Ukraine, but sadness as well is happening in the sports world as the players and the the MLB players and the owners have went to the final hours of negotiation for the lockdown for the lockout and. The players and the owners rejected each other's proposals, which now means that baseball will not be taking place as of March thirty-first, thirty days from today. And to this, I say, I stand with the players. I, I, I this is this was absolutely shock. This this was not shocking to me. This was not absolute this was not shocking to me. We know we knew it was coming. You knew it, I knew it. I told you this from the get-go that this was not going to be easy. Major League Baseball announced today that the what the players could not the MLBPA players rejected the league's final proposal. And in doing so, Major League Baseball announces they have canceled the first two regular season series of the 2022 season. Commissioner Rob Manford announced Tuesday that the sport will scrap regular season games over labor dispute for the first time in its 27-year career after a cronious lockout. Talks collapsed hours before the management decided to make the deadline. Manford said he is canceling the first two series of the season that was set to begin March 31st, dropping the schedule from 162 to likely 156, and I'm going to tell you it's going to be more. Manford said that the league's union have not made plans for future negotiation, and the players will not be paid for missed games. Rob Manford, in a press conference today, so said my deepest hope. Is that we can get an agreement quickly? He, I really am disappointed that we did not meet, make an agreement today. After the sides met for, in progress for 13, thirteen sessions over sixteen and a half hours on Monday, the leagues league sent the players' association its best and final offer today, Tuesday, on the ninth day of negotiations, and they rejected it in its entirety. Setting the stage now for MLB to follow through with its threat and to next opening day on the thirty-first of March. Now with that in mind, I want to go over what games you're going to be missing before we before you get my opinion on this. If you are a Tigers fan, you will the opening series will look like this was scheduled to look like this. It was scheduled to look like this. They were supposed to go on the road to Seattle and then to Oakland before returning back to Comerica Park on right now the scheduled opening day, which is April 8th against the White Sox, a Friday Afternoon 110 first pitch. For the for the Guardians, the new Cleveland Guardians. This is what the schedule would have looked like going into if play was scheduled to go. They would have opened with the Chicago White Sox and the Twins. With the White Sox. And the Royals. Now they will open with the on the road with the Royals for four straight. And then two consecutive games in Cincinnati against the Reds. Before returning for the home opener. Which will be now a 7-10 first pitch against the San Francisco Giants. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. And then for the Reds. The Red Legs. they were set to open three-game series against the Cubs. And then a four-game set with the Pirates. That games, those games, scratched. They now open up on the road against the Atlanta Braves for four straight before hosting the Indians for two straight before going out to the West Coast to play the Dodgers and the Padres. So those games all scratched to this, my opinion on this is as follows, and I am going to be completely honest with you folks. You know I love you. you know I honestly you know adore your my fan your, I adore my fans, I adore my listening people, my subscribers and everything like that. It's not good. I'm telling you this from the bottom of my heart. It is not good. I I do not see us starting on April 7th. My real date target will be May 4th. If we can get this league started by May 4th, I would be more than likely to say that's a strong possibility once we get these negotiations done. Because it's going to be another two to three weeks of this. I'm, I am... I will be completely honest with you. MLB is not going to have any more negotiations. They don't want to negotiate. They don't want to go to the table. They went for 16 hours and a half hours straight yesterday. They went to the proposal today. They did not agree with the proposal. And so I say to you, I think Major League Baseball this year, if it starts, it will start May 3rd or May 4th. With a possible not start date for me, that would be the start date would be May 4th because I think we're going to see two to three more weeks and we're going to see more games get canceled and more series be canceled. And it it really hurts. It hurts me. We're not going to see a 162 schedule. We're already not seeing it. We're going to see 156 right now. I think we're going to be down to about a 124 game schedule. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I, I, that's how I see it. I, I, the players and the owners, I have told you this since December, since the lockout began, the players and the owners are so far apart from each other. It's ridiculous. And I'm just going to say this plainly obvious to you guys. They say it was 16 and a half hours. A lot of it, a lot of reports saying it was longer. It was shorter. I don't care. We have to we have to have gotten the deal done. The deal was not done, and the consequences are now there. I'm not blaming the players. I'm not blaming the owners. It's 50-50 equal what part. But I have a, a bone to pick with Rob Manford. Okay. Rob goes to this press conference, announces that the deal the deal has not been made, and that he has to cancel games and, but he does it with a smile. He does it with a smile and I'm like, why this is this is revenue loss. this is ballpark staff not getting paid. this is this is facilities and office facilities and people in front offices and promotional staff not getting paid. This is this is the players not getting paid. This is the parking attendants and the food distributors that do the food props as well as pay to help people park. They're not going to get paid. This is a big loss, and you for you to have the fact to smile and just say, "Well, we're going to have to cancel games because we could not come to the agreement." You are an absolute joke of a commissioner. You knew this was going to happen, but yet you pushed it off and pushed it off. We should have went to the negotiating tables in November and December before the lockout began. Before the lockout began. The construction and the discussions should have happened after the World Series. Not three weeks after or four weeks after. It should have happened as soon as the final out was taking place. A day off to relax and prepare for what we were going to have to dig into. And that was a foxhole for this locked out negotiations. Now they're going to say it's not a strike. The players are locked out of the contract. We'll just say what it is. It's a damn strike. The union wants this, this, and this. Owners want this, this, and this. It's all about competitive balance. And for the fact of the matter of this, for Ron Bamford to step up to the press conference lecture today and just smile and say that we've canceled games, he has no bones in him. Plain and simple. This man is a crook. Plain and simple, he he bashes Pete Rose. He should Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. But he takes money from FanDuel and DraftKings, who are uh, betting sites. On you, or you could bet the game, bet the line on it, and the the home run line. But yet Pete Rose can't be a abs uh, a spring training coach, can't be a spring training instructor. In Goodyear with the Reds, give me a break. Gives him a life, continues his lifetime ban. Give me a break. Rob Manford is is got no bones to him. He he is he is crooked as a politician, and I'm 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 being plainly obvious the owner, but, but it's it's like i said it's a two way street but for him to do that at the lecture you can't he's the face he is the commissioner of the major league baseball and for him to just stand up at the lecture and just smile and laugh and jokingly kid about losing games you don't realize that you're lo- we're losing money off of it And it's not because of the players or the ownership. It's people within everything. The parking attendants, the ballpark attendants, the ballpark officials. All these people are losing a check. They're losing money. And that's what's really getting me. They're losing the money. We have to come to an agreement. Players have to give up stuff. And I'm going to tell you straight and honest with you guys. I think a salary cap should be imposed in Major League Baseball. I think a salary cap, to because of what they're looking for, they're looking to give the competitive balance of the whole situation. And for me, the competitive balance is key for even match for even market sharing. Because you can't have the Yankees who spend millions upon millions of dollars on player and talent. And then you have the Reds and the Pirates and the and the Rangers and the and the Guardians and the Twins mid to small market teams, the Marlins. These small market teams who can't even get the competitive balance because the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Giants, all these big teams have the big payrolls. It has to be done to a salary cap. I like what the players offer with an expanded postseason. I do. 12 teams to get into the postseason – that's perfect. We did that during the COVID year. It went perfectly. It shares the revenue. I like it. Ownership doesn't like it. Ownership should accept that to expand the playoff. Because it's money for them, and it's money for the players. Give me a break. And like I said, I will continue to say this. Rob Manford in my opinion, is now number one in the worst commissioners in all of sports. He beats Gary Bettman. He beats Gary Bettman to the point. Now, to smile and laugh at the lectures when you announce that games are canceled, give me a freaking break. So, we'll stay on top of this because, you know, the Mud Hens are not affected by this, by the way. If you're wondering if the Mud Hens are affected, the Clippers are affected by this, Minor League Baseball is not affected by this, it is not. Minor League camps are still reporting. Minor League minor league players are still going to play. And they will be playing come April. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Be doing more coverage on Minor League Baseball, it sounds like. You know, I watched that. That kid Zach Hampel, the gentleman Zach Hample, he was posting on his Twitter account tonight. Might be doing MILB trips videos. So Zach, if you're if you probably not listen to the podcast, I'll just tell you this much. But Zach, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, come to Toledo. You're gonna find your you're gonna find that it's probably one of the worst ball hawking experiences in your entire life. Just gonna say it. So, again, to reiterate, Major League Baseball today announced that the negotiations between the Players Association and the league have faltered, which has now caused the first two series of the season to be postponed by Major League Baseball. We'll keep you posted. Follow us on our Twitter as well as follow us on our Facebook page for more information on that, as you're listening to all Andy for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and however you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the ice. The reason why we're doing this podcast at 11 o'clock tonight, the Jackets were on the ice tonight. It's time for a the updated version, the latest version of the Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report. Right here on All Andy Alfred. So, when I last left you, the Jackets were getting ready for a huge series coming off of a big win against the Buffalo Sabres on the 20th of February. On Tuesday, the 22nd, they took on the Toronto Maple Leafs at the SWIDE at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard for a big four game series, three game series for the Jackets. The Jackets took on the Leafs on Tuesday night. Got a chance to listen to the game and listen to Bob McKelligan in the third period. The wife and I were out. I didn't get a chance to watch the first second period, but I did get to watch the game later on in the evening. But it did start off with Bundy getting his 17th of the season from Mitch Martyr and Austin Matthews at the 1250 mark of the first period on a tip shot beating Barube for the Jackets as it was one nothing leaves after 20 minutes of play but then the bug himself Patrick gliney getting his 17th of the season for Boone Jenner and Zach warinski at the 613 mark of the second period tying the game at one apiece at the 613 mark of the second period beating gold beating Campbell as the jackets were tied it up but then not even, a few minutes later, Austin Matthews, his 34th of the season from Canep and Bunding, backhanded beating Barube making it a 2-1 hockey game. That's what stood after 40 minutes of play. Then the Jackets answered back quickly. A minute three into the third period. On the power play, it's Adam Boquist, his 10th of the season from Barube getting its first assist. As the Columbus Blue Jackets tying the game at two apiece, and then at the 7-13 mark of the third period, Brandon Gotz getting his third of the season unassisted, giving the Jackets a 3-2 lead in the we fall. I felt that the Jackets had an opportunity to close the door and get the full two points out of the situation, but it did not work that way. Toronto pulls the goaltender, and Jason Spezza getting its 10th of the season from Matthews and Tavares, tying the game at three apiece at the 1754 mark of the third period, and the game ended in a tie, went to overtime, and not even 20 seconds into overtime. Patrick Laine buries it past Campbell in between Austin Matthews' legs, Jackets win in overtime in front of a sellout crowd at Nationwide Arena. The Jackets a 4-3 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Line A the number one star, J.F. Arube the number two star, and Brandon Goss the number three star. Shots on goal in the game went to the Leafs at 42 shots to Columbus's 30. The Jackets led in the faceoff dot 54% to 46%. The Jackets 1-2 for two on the power play, Toronto 0-3. The Jackets out hitting the Leafs 24-10, out blocking them 20-10. The Leafs had one giveaway to the Jackets' nine, and both teams had eight takeaways. Shots on goal went in favor of the Jackets in the first period at 14-10, but it was all Leafs after that, 17-5 in the second, 15-10 in the third. The Jackets only had one shot on net, and that was the game-winner by Patrick liney as the Jackets getting a huge, a huge win over the Leafs, Four to three in overtime getting that second point. Barube stopping 39 to 42, his save percentage of a point nine to nine. For Campbell stopping 26 of 30, his save percentage of a point eight, six, seven. Jackets, a huge win. Starting off this big swing, which is a big playoff swing. Four games big against playoff contending teams. Then we get to Thursday, the 24th. The Jackets then took on the Florida Panthers at Sunrise, Florida. And it was a really good game as Florida jumped out to the early lead as we are getting its sixth of the season for Barkoff and Verhege. It was 1-0 Florida at the 8.33 mark of the first period. But then at the 15.05 mark of the first period, the bug himself, Patrick Line 8, again tackling, getting himself in on a snapshot, beating the goaltender. 1-1 after 20 minutes of play. The captain himself, Boone Jenner, in the second period at the 9.32 mark of the second period, gets the 2-1 lead for the Jackets on a tip shot out front from Gavrikov. Gavrikov took the shot on net. Jenner was there for the rebound to back it in, for the tip shot in, and it was a doozy. It was 2-1 after 40 minutes of play. Then it went back and forth in the third period. Carlson getting it Gabriel Carlson getting his second of the season from Bjorkstrand and Roslevic it was 3-1 jackets 3-12 into the third period and then at the 6 mark of the third period Jonathan Huberto getting his 18th of the season from Marquette and Forslake making it 3-2 jackets Cole Sillinger getting his eighth of the season beating beating goaltender Johansson making it his 8th of the season from Jakub Voracek. And it was 4-2 Jackets. And then the kid himself, Justin Danforth, his 4th of the season from Adam Boquest. 5-2 Jackets at the 9.57 mark of the third period. And we're thinking, oh, the Jackets could cruise with this one. But it was not the case as Bennett getting his 23rd of the season from Barkov and Huberto made it close late, making it a 5-3 game. But then Oliver Bjorkstrand... The Maestro himself getting his 16th of the season into the empty net as Florida pulls the goaltender early in the game, in early into the third period at the fourteen oh one mark of the third period. Bjorkstrand getting his eighth, 16th of the season from Rasovic and Kukin. That was the final. The Jackets, a huge, a huge win. In Florida, after Flo- after being embarrassed the last time they played Florida in Florida, they get the huge six three win. They get the big chicken parm win with John Buchagross doing the game. Line A, the number one star. JF Harube, the number two star, and Jonathan Huberto, the number three star. Shots on goal in the game went to the Florida Panthers. They have forty two shots on that to Columbus's twenty eight. The Jackets were forty four percent on the faceoff touch to. Florida's 56 percent. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets out hitting the Panthers 43 to 27. They out blocked the Panthers 20 to six. Out gave away them. They had 16 giveaways to Florida 17, and 14 takeaways to 13 takeaways. The Florida led in all periods in shots: 11 to 10 in the first, 14 to 8 in the second, and 17 to 10 in the third period. In the game, like I mentioned, Johansson for the Panthers stopped 22 of 27. His save percentage of a point 815. For J.F. Harube. he stopped 39 of 42. His save percentage of a point 929. So the Jackets 2-0. Could they go 3-0 as they traveled into Carolina the next night on the 25th of, Mar- of February? And it was not the case. All dominated by the Panthers, not by the by the Hurricanes in this game. In this game, completely dominated by the pan, the Hurricanes in this game. And to say that Carolina dominated, they had fifty shots on goal. Fifty shots, unbelievable. Columbus had nineteen shots on goal in the game. 19 shots. No scoring took place in the first period. It all started off in the second period. as Jordan Saul getting his fifth of the season from Nino Niederreiter and Plasek. It was 1-0 Carolina at the 9-22nd 9-22 mark, mark of the second period. And then Termo Terravina getting its 14th goal of the season. Shorehand on the power play from Sebastian Ajo. It's 2-0 Carolina after 40 minutes of play. In the third, needle Reina-Reyer getting his 16th of the season from Foss and Sacek. It's 3-0 Carolina. And then Trocek getting his 15th of the season from Nikas. It's 4-0. And that was the final at PFC, PNC Center. As the Hurricanes down the Jackets and end the winning streak for the Jackets. They cut the winning streak there with a 4-0 win. Nino Niederreiter, the number one star. Frederick Anderson, the number two star, getting the shutout. Jordan Stahl, the number three star in the game. Shots on goal in the game. The Jackets had 19 shots on goal to Carolina's 50. In the faceoff dot, Carolina 59% to Columbus is 41%. Carolina 1 for 4 in the power points. Columbus 0 for 4. 25 minutes in hits for the, 25 hits for the Jackets to 9 for Carolina. 10 blocks to 7 for In favor of the Jackets, 10 takeaways to 11 for Carolina, but they had 10 takeaways to 6 for the Jackets. Jackets out dominated in the shot. They had 3 shots in the first, 6 shots in the second, 9 shots after 40 minutes of play. That's not going to win you a hockey game to save your life as the Jackets fall in Carolina. As Harube stopping 46 of 50, his save percentage of a 9-2-0, 9-2-0, and Anderson getting the shutout, stopping all 19 shots he faced in the game. So the Jackets fall to the Hurricanes on Friday night. They had a day off on Saturday, and then the big one. The absolute huge game. Could they salvage the series ahead? Could they salvage it with a rival coming in to the Schwide. In Pittsburgh. Could they do it? Well. Well it all started with the maestro himself. Oliver Bjorkstrand getting his 17th of the season. From Jack Rossovic. And Yaka Vorchek. Getting the goal scoring started. With a 1-0 lead. At the 443 mark of the first period. Beating. Beating the Penguins goaltender. To Smith. But then not even that. Wiedel getting his second of the season from Malkin and Kapanen right before the end of the first period, tying the game at one apiece as Elvis Merzlinkitz getting the start in this game, coming back from the injury that he was facing in this game, in this game as the Jackets were tied after 20 minutes of play. In the second period, it was the Columbus kid himself, Jack Rosalvin, getting his ninth of the season unassisted, beating DeSmith. It was 2-1 Columbus at the 839 mark of the second period, and that's where it stood after 40 minutes of play. But then, Evgeny Malkin at the 1153 mark of the third period on the power play beats Elvis Merzlinkins, Getting a tape-to-tape pass, which was absolutely beautiful. I have to say, that was a beautiful pass in sequence. Beating Smurz-Linkets, it's 2-2, halfway through the third period, and then we get to the controversial part of this Jackets report. So with 17.46 to go in the game, Elvis Smurz-Linkets, the the Penguins have the puck in the Jackets zone, a shot's taken from the point. Merzlinkis goes up to try to grab it. He's being interfered with to grab it by Sidney Crosby. The puck falls to Crosby's left right side. Trickles by the blue paint. Crosby then crosses in to the blue paint. Protruding Merzlinkis from making the save. Puts the puck into the net. And it's 3-2 Pittsburgh. Now if you look at the rule. The goaltender interference. It is impeding the goaltender from making a proper save. Or proper move towards the puck. Elvis was doing that. During that play. Absolutely doing it during that play. Now. Now. The referee was saying that Elvis was forcing contact uh, was pushing contact on Crosby, which makes him deemed uneligible for goaltender interference. To that I say baloney. Absolutely baloney. This was a worse call. It was clearly goaltender interference. Refs didn't see it otherwise. Toronto didn't see it otherwise. Crosby gets the goal, his 16th of the season, and the 6-1-4 rule goes back into play yet again, and the Jackets fall to the Pan- to the Penguins by a score of three two at Nationwide. Put some more back behind, and they finish this this big tough slate two and two. Now, if you were going to say to me they finished two and two. You know, I would say that's a that's honestly it's a win. I I think the series, the the Toronto series and the Florida series really showed us that we can hang with the Atlantic Division. The Carolina game was an absolute throwaway game. We can't we can't, we have to throw that game away because it was a back to back from the monumental win that we had against Florida the night before. We go into Carolina and absolutely lay an egg. So. I look at the Pittsburgh game as the key game to the whole situation. The Jackets had the opportunity, but the six-one-four rule, and I keep bringing that up. I'll I'll say why the six-one-four rule. Uh, why I say six-one-four rule here in just a second. The Jackets had the opportunity to win this game, and they couldn't finish the job. And then the fact that they had a penalty late killed them. It killed them. The opportunity there. It was there. Causing the delay of game. When they challenged it, they lost the challenge. It was caused for a delay of game. That killed the opportunity for the Jackets to come back and win and that was it and Vorchek got a misconduct penalty off of it for yelling at the officials. The Jackets are 0 2 against the Penguins this season. As the Penguins lead the series with their big win over the over the Penguins big win over the Jackets. The Jackets uh number with uh, Malkin the number 1 star, Rosslovic the number 2 star and Casey DeSmith the number 3 star, the goaltender for the Penguins. Shots on the goal in the game Went in favor of Pittsburgh at 40 to 34. At the faceoff dot, the Jackets were 46% to Pittsburgh's 54%. Pittsburgh 1 for 4 in the power play. Columbus 0 for 1. Columbus had 20 minutes in penalties to Pittsburgh's 4. Both teams even in hits at 16. The Jackets had 13 blocks to Penguins 5. They had no giveaways and 10 takeaways for Columbus compared to 4 giveaways and 4 takeaways. For the, Peng- for the penguins in the game, penguins led in all departments of the shots: fourteen to thirteen in the first, fourteen to twelve in the second, and twelve to nine in the third period of play. Merz Linketh, coming back from injury, stopped thirty-seven of forty; his save percentage of a point nine two five. For Desmith, he stopped thirty-two of thirty-four; his save percentage of a point nine four one. So the jackets fall to the game. And I say the six one four rule was in play here in just a second because of this. In some instances, the Jackets find themselves not getting the calls that most other teams get because they're a small market team. And I say that because of what happened between Merz-Lincoln and Crosby. That was if it was the opposite way around and DeSmith was being run into by Jenner and Pittsburgh called for a goaltender interference for them to take for Columbus to take the lead you know for a fact that Columbus would Columbus would 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 get the goal taken away from them because favoritism is absolutely possible in the NHL when it comes to teams and for me the fact is the 614 rule comes into play when it comes to big games such as Toronto which is which was big but the Jackets found a way to get the win. The Pitt- Pittsburgh games. Uh let's let's look at other games that caught went their way. Uh, the Rangers. I mean Tampa Bay. That was all all cases. All cases of the 614 rule coming into play. Plain and simple. Absolutely plain and simple. So the Jackets fall two and two since we last spoke, but tonight the Jackets were on the ice, and that's why we're doing all Andy for tonight right here at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. As the Jackets come off with a huge win at the Swine on this big homestand, which saw hockey is for everyone night tonight. And I got to make mention of this. I watched the game tonight on ESPN Plus, and Lauren Hextall was doing the call on this one. I I like... That we are incorporating women into broadcasting and broadcasting games, and I, I think that was a great call by ESPN to do it. I really do. I just felt like there was a lot of dead air, there was a lot of miscommunication in play calling, and I felt like I felt like they were not into the game. Like, I'll, I'll give you one here because of this. Jake Christensen gets his first professional NHL goal tonight. There was no emotion by Hextall in her call for that. So I think ESPN got it wrong for sending that crew to do our game. I I, I like that they do the mixture with the women. I think, I think Cassie Campbell-Pascal should have been the color analyst for the game. Not this other chick, unfortunately. Um, I, I'm not critical on 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 women broadcasting anything. Like that. I I support it. I love it. I I think we need more of it in the league, per se. With game, with a female broadcaster and a female color analyst, I love it. To do it tonight against with, with, with New Jersey and Columbus, I, I just think it was a wrong decision in an aspect. I like that you know the the intermission show was Butcher Gross, it was Kevin Weeks, and it was uh, uh, I forget the other guy 's name. They were doing the intermission report, but they were having Linda Cohen come in and do studio updates. Why didn't we just have the panel all be the whole thing of women? Why didn't we just have that? If you're going to do a women broadcast for gender uh, gender equality, like like the NHL is promoting now for the month of for the month of March, why not have it all done for women? But but Hexaw did it. I, I just didn't like her play calling. I really didn't. I I felt more in line to listen to Rimmer. And to listen to Shelly and to listen to Bob McKelligan, and hell, even listen to the, the MSG guys. Because she was so there was so much dead air in between the puck play. It was just it it, it just didn't match up. It just didn't work. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the call. I really didn't. And you know it did, but the game ended in the, in the right way for the Jackets. The Jackets a huge win over New Jersey to get off the schneid. And getting a big 4-3 win over the Devils. It did start with Jack Hughes from the Devils getting his 17th goal on the power play. It's only a minute, in, less than a minute into the game. With a 1-0 lead. Beating Elvis versus Lincoln's. But then, like I said, J- Justin uh, Christensen. Jake Christensen getting his first NHL professional goal. Getting called up yesterday for an emergency call-up. Gets called up. Gets the first start. His first shot on goal is a goal from Sillinger and Domi. It's tied at one apiece. And then the maestro himself, Oliver Bjorkstrand, getting his 18th goal of the season from Voracek and Roslevic. It's 2-1 Jackets after 20 minutes of play. And then some goals make you go boom on the power play, capitalizing for the Jackets. It's 3-1 Jackets on Jenner's 23rd goal of the season from Patrick Laine and Yakov Voracek. He kept, she kept saying Jacob the entire time. It's Yakov or Jake Voracek, not Jacob. It's Yakov or Jacob or or Jake Voracek. Yakov or Jake Voracek. But then it was, of course, the Devils countering back with Heshire getting his 13th of the season from Severson and McLeod. It's 3-2 Jackets after 40 minutes of play. And then Patrick Liney had... One of the best goals I have seen the Jackets perform all season long. Beating three defenders. Just going whoop in between and whoop in between. And putting it back in the back of the net. Jackets with a 4-2 lead. And then Zara getting the deficit close. Getting his 13th of the season for Mercer and Hamilton. 4-3 Jackets. But that was the final tonight from the Schweid. In the capital city of Columbus, Ohio, the Jackets a huge four three win over the New Jersey Devils, Line A the number one star Jenner, the number two star Christensen the number three star. The Devils outshot the Jackets in the game thirty three to thirty one. They the Jackets were better in the faceoff dot fifty nine percent to the Devils forty one percent. The both teams had were perfect on the were even on power plays. New Jersey one for four, Columbus one for three. The Jackets out hitting the Devils in the game thirty to five, out blocking the her, the Devils twenty four to six. Both teams had one giveaway. The Jackets had nine takeaways to New Jersey's one giveaway. The Jackets out shooting the Devils in the game in the second period thirteen to eight. Both teams had nine shots in the third period. The Devils out shooting the Jackets in the first period. 16 to 9. First Merz Lincolns in the game, he stopped a total of 30 to 33. His save percentage of a 0.09, 0.909. for the devils in the game. It was Dawes stopping 27 to 31. His save percent of a point eight seven one. So the Jackets a huge win over the New Jersey Devils. They'll have a couple days rest before they play three games in four days going forward. That will start Friday night, seven o'clock Eastern. 7 o'clock puck drop at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard as the Los Angeles Kings come to Nationwide Arena for a big game. And then the big night will take place. as Saturday night at 5 o'clock, they ask fans, now if you're in the Columbus area and you have tickets for the game Friday for Saturday night, please be advised. The ticket says 7 o'clock. Please arrive to Nationwide before 5 p.m. As at 5:30, it will be the banner raising of Rick Nash. Rick Nash will, 61, will be raised to the rafters for the first time, a player's jersey to be raised to the rafters and retired by the Columbus Blue Jackets this upcoming Saturday. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching the festivities as it will be the Jackets taking on the Boston Bruins, who Rick Nash played his final season with. And I cannot wait for the camera moment that will take place. Now the talk is is that Boone Jenner, who is the captain of the Jackets, will take the face off, and the talk is that Nick Foligno will will be facing off with Boone Jenner at center ice, and Rick Nash will drop the puck. Those are the last 3 captains of the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was Rick Nash, then Nick Foligno, now Boone Jenner. That happens. That puck drop happens. You know, that will be my background <laughs> for the longest period of time. I liked Rick Nash for the longest period of time. I, I I'll give you that. But the way that he left the city really affected me. Uh, he was traded from Columbus to New York for Anton Stroman, as well as Brandon Dubitsky. And uh, another player was traded over. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a shocking moment for me. And then he wrote the nice paper from the dispatch. But for me, he said he wanted to bring a championship to Columbus and put Columbus hockey on the map. I think Columbus hockey was put on the map when Nick Felino put the puck in the back of the net to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. That put Columbus back on the map. When it comes to hockey, and I think he is the real reason why Columbus hockey is what it is today. There is that take for you. So five o'clock is the is uh, when the four four thirty is when the doors four thirty four forty five doors open. The event, the ceremony begins at five thirty. So please be in attendance. If you go to the game you'll and you have a ticket for the game, you'll get, get a commemorative ticket for where you sat as well as a program, and then you'll get a poster on the way out. So the Jackets play the Kings on Friday, Boston with Rick Nash, banner raising on Saturday, and then Monday night, 7, o, 7 o'clock on the 7th of March, will be the Leafs again. So big three games against Three playoff opponents at home before they hit the road on that Thursday to play the Islanders' 7.30 puck drop on the 10th, and then they've come back to Nationwide to battle the Minnesota Wild for a 7 o'clock puck drop as well. Looking at the scores from around the league, as we are doing the show around a little little after 11 o'clock now, other games that took place, the Winnipeg Jets are winner 8-4 over the The Montreal Canadiens right now at the end of the second period is the Golden Knights 2, the Sharks 1. At the end of 40 minutes is the Danaheim Ducks 3, Boston 2 after the finals are in as well. Tampa Bay a winner five to two over the Ottawa Senators. It was the Oilers blanking the Flyers three to nothing in overtime at the at the Slice. It was the Red Wings a winner over Carolina four to three. Calgary a five one win over the Minnesota Wild and the Islanders fall to the Avalanche by a score of five five to three. Games tomorrow on the docket. Buffalo is in Toronto the battle of the Leafs. You have St Louis battling the Rangers. That's the game on TNT at seven o'clock. At 8:30, the Kings are in Dallas to battle the Stars. And the Nightcap will see Nashville in Seattle to battle the Kraken. Looking at the standings going into from tonight's games, it looks like this. Tampa is in the top spot in the Atlanta division at 35-11 and 6 with 76 points. Florida is now in second at 35-13 and 5 with 75 points. Toronto, 35-14, and 4 with 74 points. In the Metropolitan Division, sees the Carolina Hurricanes with their one point tonight getting them to 37, 11, and 5 with 79 points. Pittsburgh 33, 14, and 8 with 74 points. The Rangers 33, 15, and 5 with 71 points. Wildcard standings look like this it is the Boston Bruins in the top wildcard spot at 32, 17, and 4 with 68 points. Washington 28, 18, to 9 with 65 points. On the outside looking in, are our Columbus Blue Jackets, who are 28, 25, and 1 with 57 points. With with Detroit's win tonight, they get back to 500 at 24, 24, and 6 with 54 points. The Islanders, 20, 22, and 8 with 48 points. The Ottawa Senators, 19, 28, and 5 with 43 points. The New Jersey Devils, 19, 30, and 5 with 43 points. Philadelphia. 16, 27, and 10 with 42 points. Buffalo, 16, 30, and 8 with 40 points. And the Montreal Canadiens at 13, 34, and 7 with 33 points. Western Conference looks like this. Colorado in the top spot in the Central Division at 40, 10, and 4 with 84 points. The St. Louis Blues are 32, 14, and 6 with 70 points. Minnesota, 31, 17, and 3 with 65 points. In the Pacific Division, he's led by the Calgary Flames, or 32, 14, and 6 with 70 points. The Anna, the L.A. Kings, who the Jackets will play on Friday night, are 29-18 and seven with 65 points. Edmonton, 30-21 and three with 63 points. On the wild card, looks like this: Nashville holding the top spot at 30-19 and four with 64 points. Vegas Golden Knights, 29-20 and four with 62 points. On the outside looking in are the Dallas Stars at 29-20 and three with 61 points. Anaheim, 25, 21, and 9 with 59 points. Vancouver, 26, 23, and 6 with 58 points. Winnipeg, 24, 21, and 9 with 57 points. We got the San Jose Sharks at 24, 23, and 6 with 54 points. Chicago, 19, 27, and 8 with 46 points. Seattle, 16, 34, and 5 with 37 points. And the last team in the Western Conference are the Arizona Coyotes at 14, 35, and 4 with 32 points other news and notes around the NHL I got to make mention of this got a chance to watch the stadium series game on Saturday night between the Predators and the the Lightning that was a really good game Uh, good-sized crowd on hand to watch that one I got to give credit they did a really good job on that one Kyle Davidson will remain as general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks and he says it's time to rebuild for the future, so that's going to be interesting. And by the way, this week is Hockey Week in Across America, which is starting on Monday, and we'll run through Sunday. Friday, if you have an opportunity, it's wear your jersey to work, May. I'm going to try my best to wear my jersey to work. So that's that. Uh, Looks like Nashville is going to be trading. Wants to sign uh, Philip Forsberg before the trade deadline, so that's going to be a Big sign right there, and the three stars of the of the month of February are Toronto. The number one star is Mitch Marner. The number two star is of course Mark uh, Jacob Marsham, and the number three star is Patrick Liney. So congratulations to Patrick getting the number three star as well. And the NHL also has made a statement with regarding what is happening in this in the country of Ukraine. The National Hockey Hockey League condemns Russia's invasion of Ukraine and urges a peaceful resolution as quickly as possible. Effective immediately, we are suspending our relationship with our business partners in Russia and we are pausing our Russian-language so- social and digital media sites. In addition, we are discontinuing any consideration of Russia as a location for any future competitions involving the National Hockey League. We will also remain concerned well being of our players from Russia who are in the NHL on behalf of the NHL clubs and not on behalf of Russia. You understand that they and their families are being placed in an extremely difficult position. The league taking note on the Ukraine Russia situation. So, Jack, it's a huge win tonight as we are doing this special post game edition of all Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the pond and let's talk a little walleye hockey. Of course, walleye were home this weekend, but the officiating was absolutely brutal. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the walleye roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the ECHL roundup as well as the walleye roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. When I last left you, the fish were coming off of a huge win. In overtime over the Cincinnati Cyclones on Sunday night on the twentieth. On the twenty first of February, it was the Wooster Railers falling to the Utah Grizzlies by a score of five to four. And Kansas City was a winner five to one over the Idaho Steelheads. On Tuesday, the 22nd of February, it was the Adirondack Thunder beating the Newfoundland Growlers by a score of four to three. And in overtime at West Banco Arena on the banks of the Ohio River, it was the Wheeling Nailers a winner four to three. Over the Redding Royals. On Wednesday night. The Fish. The Fish were off of course. But other games that took place. The Jacksonville Icemen were a winner 7-3. Over the Norfolk Admirals. The Traverse rivors of the Lions. Themselves fall to the Maine Mariners. By a score of 6-1. to Adirondack a big 7-4 win. Over the Newfoundland Growlers. South Carolina 4-1 win. Over the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. Redding gets the better of the Nailers. In the second game. As they beat them 4-1 to on Wednesday night. Florida a 6-0 blanking over the Orlando Solar Bears. Wichita falls to the Iowa Heartlanders by a score of 7-3. And Worcester a winner 4-2 over the Idaho Steelheads on Wednesday night. Thursday the 24th saw the Indy Fuel a winner 2-1 over the Kalamazoo Wings. Atlanta a 6-2 win over South Carolina. Allen falls to the Cincinnati Cyclones. By a score of 4-3. to three. So we get to Friday night's game. And we'll start first and foremost with what happened on the ice for the Fish. As it was Marble Superhero Superhero Night. As it was Thor Night at the Huntington Center. And the Fish welcomed in the Wichita Thunder to the Huntington Center. And it all started off with Toledo's Perlini getting his third of the season from Schultz. At the 2-0-3 mark of the first period as the Fish hit the ice. And it was one nothing walleye and then in the first period again it was TJ Hensick getting his 19th of the season from Randy Gazola and Matt Berry at the 1340 mark of the first period it was 2-0 Fish and then in the third period in the first period with 5 seconds left to go in the game Justin Albert getting his 17th of the season from Keegan Hollichelle and Berry on the power play making it a 3 nothing after 20 minutes of play it stood that way after 40 minutes of play before Wichita's uh, Stillman his 11th of the season from Clark and Joe Johnson gives it a 3-1 game but that was the final at the Huntington Center in front of a sellout crowd of 7,987 the Fish getting a big 3-1 win over the Wichita Thunder the Fish outshoot the Thunder 32-23 Toledo 1-1 for on the power play Wichita 0-2 on the power play Christopolis stopping 22-23 his save percentage of a point 975 for the Wichita Thunder. It was Ogle stopping 14 of 17. He gets the loss. His save percentage of a point nine two five in the game. Terrell start came back in, stopped 15 of 15 in the game. The three stars of the game. Christopher is the number one star. Perlini, the number two star. Matt Berry, the number three star. Jack Young was the official. Chris Wilson and Kyle Bushy. Was the linesman in the game on Friday night? Looking at the other games happening around the around the East Coast League, Reading was a winner six to two over the Indy Fuel in a shootout. Jacksonville falls to the Florida Everblades three to two. The Lions of Traverse fall to the Newfoundland Growlers six to one. Adirondack fall to Maine seven to one, wheeling a four three win over the Kalamazoo Wings. Norfolk falls to the Atlantic Gladiators 4-1. Fort Wayne falls to the Iowa Heartlanders 4-2. Utah a 4-2 win over the Kansas City Ma- Mavericks. Rapid City a 6-1 win over the Tulsa Oilers. And in an overtime game, the Idaho Steelheads beat the Wooster Railers 5-4. Then we get to Saturday, and those this is when the games got interesting for the Fish. The, but we'll get around the East Coast League first as it was the Traverse Lions, a winner 3-2 to over the Newfoundland Growlers in overtime. South Carolina falls to the Ever- Florida Everblades 6-5. The Adirondack Thunder, a 5-3 win over the Maine Mariners. Wichita, a 4-3 win over the Indy Fuel. Norfolk, a 5-2 win over the Jacksonville Icemen. Around the uh, around the Central Division, it was the Wheeling Nailers f- beating the Kalamazoo Wings 8-2. Cincinnati, a 4 3 win in overtime over the Cincinnati over the Allen Americans, and Iowa, a 6 2 win over the Fort Wayne Comets. Other games, of course, Kansas City, a winner 5 4 over the Utah Grizzlies, Tulsa, a 5 3 win over Rapid City, and Worcester, a 4 2 win over the Idaho Steelheads. And then we get to the Fish. The Fish welcomed in the Running Royals, a huge matchup as the number one team in the North Division. Took on the number one team in the Central Division, a possible Kelly Cup playoff matchup for the game. And it all started off with Redding getting on the board first as Trevor Gooch, his 17th of the season from McFadden in Chamara. Shorthanded. It was one nothing one nothing in the third period. Both teams were scoreless after 20 and 40 minutes of play. Redding turned on the gas. Gooch his 17th of the season from McFadden. And short shorthanded at the 641 mark of the third period before Brandon Schultz getting his 10th of the season for the fish from Mitchell Hurd and Ryan Lowry. It's 1 1. And then the running royals turned on the gas as Millman getting his 4th of the season from Picard and Herzinger, making it 2 1. Camira getting its 13th of the season at the 1623 mark from Picard and Jessley. Making it a 3-1 game. And then Trevor Gooch putting the dagger in the coffin for the Fish. His 18th of the season into the empty net from Gershall and Millman. It was 4-1 running And running gets the big 4-1 win. And it was a chippy game. I'll say this. Uh, you know, Cole Frazier got a delay of game probably. But Mitchell Hurd. Cole Frazier dropped the gloves. Against Chrisley, Chrisley got called with a boarding call, and then Frazier got called for a roughing call, and both guys dropped the gloves for fighting. Mitchell Hurt gets an unsportsmanlike conduct at the eighteen twenty nine mark of the first of the second period. It's a chippy game. As Caden Fulcher gets the loss, he stopped twenty one of twenty four. His save percentage of a for Redding, it was hockey stopping thirty-nine of forty save percentage of a point nine seven five. Redding was outshot by the Fish in the game forty to twenty-five. Both teams zero for on the power play. Redding zero for five. Toledo zero for three. Honky the number, H-Hockley, the number one star. Milman the number two star, and that's weird. They have it in the pay, in the report here. It's Honky getting the number three star too, which is weird. 8,129 in attendance. Jack Young was the official. Cameron DeSauro, the linesman, and Christopher Williams, the other linesman in the game. So the fish fall to the running Royals on Saturday and Sunday's game. The officiating was terrible. Absolutely, bar none, terrible. And, and I'm going to just call him out right now. Matt Miniti, number 10. Worst official I've ever seen in the East Coast Hockey League. He interjected himself in this game so many times, okay? And Alone, in the third period alone, okay? Bordy Meyer was called for a tripping call at the 557 mark of the period. Hawk, let me just say this. Redding capitalized on a power play. Making it a 4-0 lead. And the Fish then lost their mind. Schultz was arguing with the official. Got called for a misconduct. 10 misconduct. And then Hurd then gets called for a game misconduct. Both guys sat out for the rest of the game. And then at the end of the game. Dan Watson was, was arguing about all the calls. The missed calls throughout the game. And he gets hit with a game misconduct. For inciting. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. As running jumped out to an early 3-0 lead after 20 minutes of play. As Morrison gets his ninth of the season. That's the 6.58 mark of the first period from Gooch and Pavgroff. And then Lowe getting his 12th of the season from Chamara and Cooper. And by the way the Morrison goal was on the power play. Lowe Regular, uh, even strength, and then Trevor Gooch getting his nineteenth, his second goal of the series for Morrison and Siriely. It's three nothing running after twenty minutes of play. Agron getting his twelfth of the season for Brockhoff and McNeely at the seven forty-five mark of the second period, making it four nothing. That's when the game went downhill. After that, Toledo did rally as Keegan Hollowell getting his tenth of the season from Justin Albert. And Brandon Gelfini making it a 4-1 game. And then Brandon Hawkins getting his 14th of the season from Albert and Barry on the power play. Making it a 4-2 game. Giving a little momentum. But then Trevor Gooch getting his second of the night. His 20th of the season from Amy and Halsinger into the empty net. And then taunting the fans afterwards. I did not really appreciate that. The Royals getting a big 5-2 win. Sweeping the series against Toledo. At the Huntington Center, Toledo out shooting, running in the game thirty-four to nineteen, running two for five on the power play. Toledo one for three on the power play. Christopoulos stopped fourteen of eighteen, his save percentage was a point eight nine five. getting the win, stopping thirty-two of thirty-four, his save percentage of a point nine five zero. So again, like I mentioned before, this was a bad officiating game. And I called it out on on the minor league page, hockey page, and a lot of you fans that were looking at that page looked at it and they were criticizing me because I'm a Toledo fan and everything like that. Look, I call it like I see it. I'm not a big Toledo homer. I'm not a big Toledo fan. I I, I report the fish on here because of the because I live in the area, you know. And I want a clean game no matter what the situation is. But when a play when a referee has interjected himself. And the referees interjected themselves twice in the home stand against the Royals. It, it's not necessary. It really is not necessary. So the so to have that happen, and basically the officials costing the walleye the game, it, it, it's just ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous. There's no need for that. Absolutely no need for that. So the ECHL's got to be better than that. Other games on the 27th. Cincinnati was a winner 4-2 over the Allen Americans. Greenville a 5-0 win over the Orlando Solar Bears. It was Florida a 3-1 win over South Carolina. Newfoundland puts a shellacking on the Lions 10-3. It was Kansas City a winner 2-0 over the Utah Grizzlies. Rapid City beats the Tulsa Oilers by a score of 5-2. Looking at games on Monday... There was no games today. There was two games that took place. Greenville wins in overtime over the Orlando Solar Bears 3-2. Kansas City a 2-1 win over the Wichita Thunder. On Wednesday night, tomorrow night, games will be as follows. Orlando is in Jacksonville to battle the Icemen. The Lions host the Adirondack Thunder 7 o'clock. Puck drop for that one. Worcester is in running to battle the Royals. Greenville is in Florida, the Battle of the Everblades. Tulsa is in Fort Wayne to battle the Comets. Atlanta is in Norfolk to battle the Admirals. Tomorrow night, 7-15 puck drop. A huge game at the Huntington Center. Can the Fish bounce back from the loss against the two losses against Redding? They welcome in the Wheeling Nailers for a weekday hockey games, game at the Huntington Center. The only Wednesday hockey game this season. 7-15 puck drop. That went Wheeling and Toledo. Get your tickets 419-725-WALL or ToledoWallEye.com. Tickets are still available for the game. After tomorrow night's game, the Fish then will have games on Friday night. They come back to the Huntington Center, and they will play the Fort Wayne Comets for a seven fifteen puck drop at the Huntington Center. Games, uh, third Games on Friday, other than the Fish, Adirondack is in Newfoundland. Tulsa is in Kalamazoo. Indy is in Traverse. The Battle of the Lions. Orlando is in South Carolina. Running is in Worcester. Greenville is in Florida. Atlanta is in Norfolk. Orlando, uh, Idaho, is in Allen. Kansas City is in Wichita. Rapid City is hosting the Utah Grizzlies. Saturday night slate looks like this. Indy is in is in Traverse. Adirondack is in Newfoundland. Orlando is in South Carolina. Greenville is in Florida. Tulsa is back again in Kalamazoo. Wheeling is in Redding. Maine is in Worcester. Cincinnati travels to Fort Wayne. And Atlanta travels to Norfolk. Idaho is in Allen. Iowa is in Kansas City. And Utah is in Rapid City. The Fish then finish up their homestand with a game at 5-15 against the Cincinnati Cyclones, other games. Utah is in Rapid City, Wichita is in Kansas City, Atlanta is in South Carolina, Maine is in Worcester, Orlando is in Jacksonville, and Adirondack is in Newfoundland. Looking at the standings going into today, tonight's play, Toledo still holding the top spot at 33-12, 1-2 with 69 points. Wheeling 29, 19, and 1, and 0 with 59 points. Cincinnati's in third spot at 28, 23, and 0 with 59 points. Fort Wayne 25, 15 25 19, 5, and 1 with 56 points. Iowa 23, 23, 6, and 1 with 53 points. It's Kalamazoo at 24, 29, 0, and 0 with 48 points. Indy is 21, 25, 2, and 3 with 47 points. In the Mountain Division sees the Utah Grizzlies at 31-19, 2-1 with 65 points. Idaho, 29-21, 2-1 with 61 points. Rapid City, 27-24-3 with 61 points. It's the Tulsa Oilers at 25-23, 1-2 with 53 points. Kansas City, 26-25, 2-1 with 55 points. Wichita, 23-23, 8-0 with 54 points. And the Allen Americans are 21-22, 6 and 1 with 49 points. In the Eastern Conference, let's start with the North Division. Reading is holding the top spot at 27-12, 6-1 with 61 points. Newfoundland, 26-15, 3-0 with 55 points. The Lions are 23-16, 3-1 with 50 points. Worcester, 22-20, one with 48 points. The Maine Mariners, 22-21, 4-2 with 50 points. Adirondack, 19-25, 2-0 with 40 points. In the South Division, sees the Jacksonville, Iceman in the top spot at 30-15, 2-2 with 64 points. Florida, 30-15, 4-4 with 68 points. Atlanta, 30-17, 3-1 with 64 points. Orlando, 25-21, 4-0 with 54 points. Greenville is 18-22, 4-3 with 43 points. Norfolk, 18-27, 2-2 with 40 points. And South Carolina is holding the final spot in the South Division at 17-28, 6-0 with 40 points, the overall conference standings sees sees Toledo in Utah in the top two spots, Wheeling and Cincinnati in three, four, Idaho in Rapid City five and six, and in the Eastern Conference it is Reading in one, Jacksonville in two, Florida is at three, Atlanta is at four, and Newfoundland is at five. League standings: Toledo top spot, 69 points. Royals, the Reading Royals, are 61 points. Jacksonville, 64 points. Florida, 68 points. And Atlanta is 64 points. So take it as that right there. And like I said, the Icemen are played only 49 games and have 64 points. And they are leading the top spots. They have games at hand. So keep that in mind as that was the Walleye Roundup as well as the ECHL Roundup right here on All-India Alpha tonight right here as the Jackets getting a big 4-3 win over the New Jersey Devils. As you're listening to All-India for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be an iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and however you are listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's hit the hardcore. We've hit March. It's madness time, baby. So now we hit March, of course, and now it's time to talk some other sports, of course. But we're going to start first and foremost, with, of course, with March happening. March Madness is around the corner, and Saturday was a huge day, a huge day of shakeups around the top 25 in college basketball as Michigan State beats fourth-ranked Purdue by a score of 68-65. Sixth-ranked Kentucky falls to Arkansas by a score of 75-73. You had third rank Auburn fall to Tennessee 6762. You had you had second rank Arizona fall to Colorado 79 63. Unbelievable by that by right? Fifth rank Kansas fell to tenth rank Baylor 80 to 70. And then the number one overall Gonzaga Bulldogs. Lose the Saint twenty third ranked Saint Mary's by ten sixty seven to fifty seven unbelievable absolutely unbelievable and when you look at games that took place tonight in the top twenty five Villanova beats Providence seventy six seventy four that's eleven beating a nine Tennessee. 75-68 win over Georgia. Kentucky bounces back with an 83-72 win over Ole Miss. Nebraska beats Ohio State 78-70. Fourth-ranked Duke getting an 86-56 win over Pittsburgh. Kansas falls to TCU tonight. 74-64 Kansas is out. Eighth-ranked Purdue fell to Wisconsin tonight by a score of 70-67. 14th-ranked Houston a 71-53 win over Cincinnati looking at the rankings Gonzaga stays at number one Arizona is at two still Baylor is now at three moving up seven spots Duke is at four Auburn falls two spots to five Kansas with their losses they're they're gonna fall big they're right now at six Kentucky's at seven Purdue's at eight they're gonna fall because they're lost to Wisconsin Providence is at 9, Wisconsin's going to move up more, they're at 10, Villanova's at 11, Texas Tech is at 12, Tennessee's at 13, Houston's at 14, Arkansas is at 15. At 16th it's USC, 17th is UCLA, 18th is Connecticut, St. Mary's is 19th, Illinois is 20th, Texas is 21st, Murray State 22nd, Ohio State 23rd, Iowa 24th and Alabama 25th. Other votes that was received, Notre Dame got 9 votes. Michigan State got 6 votes overall. So, looking at games that will be taking place tomorrow, 25th ranked Alabama welcomes in Texas A&M. 18th ranked UConn takes on Creighton. And 5th ranked Auburn battles (laughs) Mississippi State. And 14th ranked Arkansas travels to LSU. By the way, Saturday's slate is a doozy of a slate to say the least. Indiana is at Purdue. Kentucky is in Florida. Auburn hosts South Carolina. 14th-ranked Arkansas battles, 13th-ranked Tennessee. Kansas welcomes in Texas. California battles, 2nd-ranked Arizona. And then the curtain call will take place 6 o'clock is tip as North Carolina battles, 4th-ranked Duke in the final game for Coach K. Before we get into Sunday's slate, which is 14th-ranked Houston versus Memphis. Michigan travels to Ohio State to battle the Buckeyes. Nebraska battles Wisconsin at two o'clock. That is for the Big Ten championship regular season. And 24th ranked Iowa battles 20th ranked Illinois overall. But talk a little Mid America Conference basketball for you tonight. And it was a huge game that took place tonight. Other game. Well, before we get to all the games, let's look at recap the rest of the games around the Mid America Conference. Western Michigan a 71-60 win over Eastern Michigan. Miami of Ohio a 75-61 win over Central Michigan. Kent State a 63-55 win over Northern Illinois. Akron a 79-60 win over Ball State. So, we'll start first and foremost with of course the team out of Wood County and that is Bowling Green. BG, Senior Night, of course, they held on and beat the Ohio Bobcats by a score of 80-77. to They were up down four at the break. They rallied back in the second half. They scored 49 points to Ohio's 42, and the final was 80-77. to 77. Overall, Daquanian Paul, Paulin and Matisse Cavalonis both scored 18 points apiece as BG narrowly beats Ohio to keep their dreams alive to go to Cleveland to be in the Mid-American Conference Tournament with a big 80-77 to 77 win. Good crowd on hand. 4,337 in attendance. This is the capacity. The attendance was 2,068. Tells you something right there. Like I said, uh, Galetics, 18 points. 7 for 10 from field goal range. 0 for 2 from three point lane. Diggs, 13 points. 4 for 8 for free goal, 3 field goal range, 2 for 6 for 3 point land. Plowed in 18 points, 5 for 9 for field goal range, 2 for 3. So the the, the reports are out that alumni want Huger out. I, I don't see it happening. He's building the culture. It's really what really he is. And uh, I think Bowling Green's in the right hands with Huger in the helm. They have a big test in front of them on Friday night as it will be the Battle of I-75 as the University of Toledo hosts the Bowling Green State University Falcons at Savage Arena on national television, 7 o'clock tip at Savage Arena. And speaking of the Rockets, the Rockets get the number one overall seed for the Mid-American Conference Tournament as well as the regular season championship with Ohio losing to Bowling Green. Toledo, all they needed to do was beat Buffalo, and they beat Buffalo handily by a score of 92-76. to They finished 24-6 overall right now, going into the Bowling Green game on on Friday night. As Cedric Miller Jr. and Ryan Rollins both scored 20 points apiece as Toledo has defeated Buffalo by a score of 92-76. to Bol- Toledo led the game entirely. 46-32 at the, at the break. They scored another 46 points in the second half, and they beat the Bulls, of Buffalo, 92-76. So BG takes on Toledo. six thirty tip on CBS Sports Network. Other games that will take place on Friday. Ball State is at Western Michigan. Buffalo is at Kent State. You have Eastern at Miami of Ohio. Central Michigan is at Akron. And Ohio is at northern Illinois to battle the Huskies. So Bowling Green is battling on that outside spot. They have eighteen the top eight make it to the dance in Cleveland. So Toledo's in the top spot overall in conference play. They are sixteen and three. Kent State fifteen and four. Ohio 14 and 5. Buffalo 13 and 5. Akron 13-6. Ball Ball State eight and ten. So that's the 6th seed. 7th seed is Miami of Ohio at 7-12. Central Michigan is 6-11. Bowling Green is 6-13. So the the fact is Central has their game on Friday against Akron. And Akron needs to keep winning to get a higher seed. And they're at Akron to play. I think if, if Bowling Green pulls an upset and beats Toledo, if they do... Because it it it's forsaken. Because Kent State is playing Buffalo. Buffalo needs to keep winning. Kent State loses to Buffalo. Toledo wins the MAC championship outright. Well, they've already won it the regular season outright because of because of the uh, the head to head between Kent State. If I'm not mistaken. Let's see here. Look it up really quickly for you guys right here on All Andy Over. Toledo, well Kent State beat Toledo seventy-two fifty-nine on the fifteenth of February, and they beat them sixty-six sixty-three. So Toledo needs to win against Bow- against Bowling Green to keep the number one overall seat. If they lose to Bowling Green, they need Kent State to lose. To Buffalo. Could that happen? It's a possibility. But we shall see. March is here and the madness is underway. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, Other news and notes around around sports, of course. In the Mid-American Conference, continuing the Mid-American Conference, of course. Mac girls basketball, Mac women's basketball. Bowling Green ends the season at home against Kent State tomorrow night, the 2nd. 7 o'clock tip on ESPN+. Northern Illinois comes to Savage Arena. 7 o'clock tip as the University of Toledo, 23-4 and 4 overall. They will battle it out against Northern Illinois. They locked up the number one seed for the Mid-American Conference Tournament a while ago. So congratulations on that. Uh, in, the, in the PGA Tour, of course which took place this past weekend. Uh, it was the Honda Classic. As Sep Strucka wins it, Shane Lowry in second, Kurt Kamara and Daniel Berger finish off, and Alex Norwin finish the top five. Overall, the women's side of the things get back into the swing of things this week, as it is the HSBC Women's Tournament that will take place over in Singapore is Sing whom Park will is the defending champion. They'll take, they'll tee off tomorrow night at eight o'clock Eastern standard time. Looking forward to that tomorrow as well. Uh, NBA news to pass along to you. Of course, uh, tonight's games, of course, the Pistons, the losers, the Wizards, 116 to 113. It looks right now that the Mavericks are up 107-102 on the Lakers. Celtics a 107-98 win over the Hawks. Raptors a 109-108 win over the Nets. The Clippers a 113-100 win over the Rockets, and the and the Golden State Warriors fall to the Minnesota Timberwolves, 129 to 114. So those are the games there, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much all the sports that's happening right now. The updated sports that's happening around the sporting world right here. On All Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening. Thank you for tuning into the show tonight. And now it's time for our final uh, final segment of the show. It's time for Andy Rance. Not going to be really a rant tonight. It's now time for Andy Rance tonight. And I want to thank you for tuning into our special post-game edition of All Andy Elford. It's the Jackets pick. win over the New Jersey Devils tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and however you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. As it's now time for Andy Ranson, not much of a rant tonight. And if you haven't, by the way, subscribe to the podcast. What are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week right here on the Anchor Network. Some programming note to pass along to you guys. Of course, you were looking for last Thursday's show. We didn't get a chance to do last Thursday's show. And that's my fault. I do apologize. I was a little distracted. And uh, we're trying to work out a schedule going forward on the on the shows. And um, uh, But we're doing the shows each week. One show each week going up into the tournament's coming up in the beginning, in the middle of March. Uh, so there's that for you. Uh, we did the show post-game tonight because of the Jackets, a big win. We were going to tape it on Monday, but we said, you know what, let's do a post-game. We haven't done a post-game in a while. We'll do a post-game. So We did a post-game tonight. So that's uh, you're wondering why the podcast was posted so late. There's the reason why. Um, I want to talk about what happened Friday night to me. Uh, Friday night, I got an opportunity to catch up with a lot of great people in my life. People that mean so much to me. And I wanted to share that with you guys tonight here on the Anchor Network. Um, Friday night, I was following the Jack game a little bit. I was also following the the walleye a little bit. But I was follow- I was spending my night with some great friends of mine, um, uh, Got an opportunity to go to this new place, a new social club that's here in Toledo. I didn't have any video. You can't take any pictures or video of what's happening. Um, a good friend, Jacob Parr, uh, who is who I who graduated from Toledo School for the Arts, who, where I graduated from, uh, has connections to the place, and you know, I met it. I ran into a lot of good people that were there. Um uh John Wayne Hare as well as Megan Leslie Hare. Uh they're a fantastic uh couple. Uh good friend Chris Dyer as well as um Brandon DeLong, uh Sidney Hall, uh Jess Worley, uh, Nathan Ferguson, uh Joe Hayden and his lovely wife. I, I forget her name off the top of my head. Uh, I do apologize, uh, Brandon Wright. But the the big key person that was there was one of my best friends from high school, and that was AJ Laporta. And AJ and I are were good friends in high school. We haven't seen each other in almost since two thousand eight, when we graduated high school. We went one way, and I went mine. And uh, we haven't seen each other since. So it's been, man, over a decade since we've seen each other. And when, we, um, when I, I got there before he did, and I was talking to people that I saw. And he walked in the room, and he looked right at me, and I looked right at him. And it was one of those moments when you know a person you know so well. They look at each other, and they said, oh, my God, we haven't seen each other in forever and literally we both look at each other i stuck my hand out to handshake and he says we don't do that here and i give him a big hug and uh you know he is a a great individual one of the nicest people you've ever met in your entire life and um yeah i'll tell you he can sell ice to an eskimo i'll tell you that much when it comes to things but uh the the place was nice uh little upsale from what for my taking. Um I'm glad I just had water the evening. Uh, we went over afterwards to, to Little Spirits and had a few drinks, had a great time catching up with everybody and you know, it was it was great. But with me and AJ it felt like Martin and Lewis were back together. We just picked up right where we left off. Like some odd years ago. And, you know, it's one of those friendships that you'll really, you you know, as soon as you see that person, it's like a spark lits and the flames go up. We both share contact information. We both have. Uh, He's a big college basketball fan. He told me he hasn't watched a college basketball game in, like, five, six years. I couldn't believe it. Like what are you doing with your life, man? You know, I know he's in hospitality. He was in hospitality for a while. What I told him I said, "Why can't you just turn up, turn around, and look up at a TV screen, see what's happening, in the world, see what's happening." It's like I wish I could. And he was been in New York and in, in Connecticut, and now he's in Chicago. But it's just, oh, it, it was good to see him. It was good to see everybody. You know. Good to see my friend Sydney Hall. She's now down in Columbus. So, uh, Sydney, if you're listening to the podcast, go catch a jacket game. Enjoy the city. It's fantastic. Uh, my friend Jess. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, I, I know I'm missing a lot of people. Uh, I, I know Jacob Parr and Kim Collins. By the way, hey, Parr, if you're listening to the podcast, I don't. you never introduced me to your wife. You never I, I know pictures, but you never really introduced me to your wife, so they were playing a game that never have I ever met Joe Hayden and she lo- put her finger down and that was the joking game, but you know. But Toll Space was nice. Toll House was nice. Um It's too upscale for me. Uh I'm a you know me, I'm a, you know me guys, I'm a meat and potato kind of guy, but it was just great to catch up with people that I haven't seen in a long time. And I, and I just gotta say, we have to do it again. I told AJ the next time he's in town, let's have dinner or let's uh, let's get together and do something. Had the wife included, she couldn't make it unfortunately. So there's that. There's that for you guys. So, so Friday night was something very very special in my life and I I to this day I will thank Jacob Parr I thank AJ and I thank you guys for letting me be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Really really do appreciate. It. Eight years ago on this date today I found my soulmate. I found the woman of my dreams the woman that makes me whole The woman that knows me from the tip of my head to the tip of my toes. Who sees me as not only her soulmate, but also her best friend. And I feel the same way about her. I found the woman of my dreams. I found the woman of my life. Eight years ago on this date, on the 1st of March. She is absolutely gorgeous, breathtaking, smart and down like one of the sexiest women I've ever met in my entire life and I am truly truly grateful to have her in my life and I'm so grateful to have her and I'm so grateful for God to show me the way and find to find me the person that I want that I'm spending the rest of my life with. And I am so happy to call her my wife. So, Amanda, Alfred, I love you. And happy anniversary. And to now and forever, my love, I love you. Love you, baby cakes. So, happy anniversary, my love. And my final piece tonight, as we begin this journey, which is Fat Tuesday, which is the Mardi Gras, which is the end of which is the beginning of the Lenten season. To those of you that, that give up things for Lent, I think of you as you know you. I'm gra- I'm glad that you're going to give up a few things for Lent, but I I I look at it this way: uh, after a few years, is it really worth giving it up for forty days and forty nights? Um, because on that forty-first day. You're going to go back to whatever that is. Whether it be pop. Video games. Candy. What have you. You're going to go back to those things. So is that really accomplishing. What you need in your life. To feel whole. To feel fill your faith. For me. I stopped. Giving up things for Lent. I look at myself. And I reevaluate myself. And what do I need to do. During these 40 days. And 40 nights of Lent. I need to pray more. I need to. Be. And go and do. Be respectful to things. Go do things for people. And be more loving. And compassionate. And caring. Than I am now. So when you ask me, when people ask me, what are you going to give up for Lent? I say I don't give up anything for Lent. I do more things to make me feel whole, make me feel like my faith is worth it. So I will be abstaining for fasting. I will be abstaining for Lent. I will be eating my fish on Fridays, not eating meat. I'll be doing all that. But I won't be giving up anything for 48s or 49s. Because I'm not going to give up on you guys. And you shouldn't be giving up on us. Here on All in And that's going to wrap it up for our show. I'll be down at the rink tomorrow night. For Walleye versus versus Nailers. So if you see me, come down and see me. I'm going to be in one, section 102. So... If, you're, if you see me, come down, say hi. Looking forward to it. Absolutely looking forward to tomorrow night's game. And that's when the real fans are there. Real fans are there. So hopefully the fishing is going to be better. Hopefully the officiating will be better. So until I talk to you guys next week and when we reconvene next week, we will have the beginning of the conference championship as well as the recap of the Jackets report, as well as the Walleye games. And also, we will dive into the HSBC Championship over in Singapore for the LPGA and the PGA events as well. And hopefully we get a resolve in Major League Baseball as well. So until I talk to you guys next week, this is ADL for saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice, and remember to wear a mask when it's crowded. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, Go Jackets! Go Walleye! Go Falcons! On the ice and on the hard court. Go State. Let's get this deal done so we can get baseball. On the field. Please. Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat. Have a great week everybody. And I'll talk to you guys next week. For another edition. Of All Andy Alfred. I love you guys. Talk to you then. Happy anniversary my love. This has been a presentation. Of the All Andy Alfred Network. Powered by Anchor. You've been listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you again for tuning into the show tonight. You could be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. The podcast is performed each week right here on the Anchor Network.